0: Welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combined to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. Of course, I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm delighted you could be with us today. You know, one of the things they never tell you when you're young is how lovely it feels to be old. I'm serious about this. Perhaps it isn't true for everybody because there are people, I think, who then are worried about dying. Obviously, I'm not worried about dying. That'll be my happiest day of my life. So, um, But many other people, too, especially women, get to be um, older and they realize that The past was prelude. Their real life begins rather late in life. Of course, in my case, I was clueless for almost my entire life about what I was being prepared to do. Um, And therefore, it was a big surprise when I found out why I had studied the afterlife, why I had studied the greater reality, why I had been so zealous in studying the gospel teachings, all of that. Um, I thought it was just really engrossing hobbies. It turned out it was all preparation for the wonderful life I'm living now. When I reached retirement age, my life really began. And as I say, I think I'm finding this true of a lot of people, especially women. My own husband, who was a physician, is blossoming spiritually now, true. But it's an internal thing for men, I think. Whereas for women, I think, you know, we do careers, we rear our children, and then we come into our own. And many people have had lives which prepared them to do a wonderful next stage um, in old age, so I have to tell you, even though she's not really old, um, because she's still very lovely, um, our our guest today is a wonderful example of the kind of thing that can be a next act for a woman who has had a very, very complicated and in some cases challenging, but actually kind of exemplary life in many ways. Our guest is Lucinda Bakken-White. She's also spent her life preparing without knowing she was preparing to to do the work she's doing now. She is a sacred elder. She's beautiful, as I say, so she doesn't seem old, but she's happy to be that just as I am. She says she found herself with a yearning to bring a sense of the sacred to the forefront of my everyday life. My heart was set on becoming a wise woman elder with a spiritual vocation. I can't think of a better thing to want to do as you get into the latter part of your life. But Cindy Bach and White began her professional career with an MBA and she worked for IBM. She had like everything. And she's had really a very privileged life, a wealthy life, a life with all of the trappings, but in some ways a very difficult life. And we're going to talk some about that. She had the kind of life from which she really could grow spiritually, and she has. Her book that outlines her growth is called Confessions of a Bone Woman, Realizing Authentic Wildness in a Civilized World. I found her book really engrossing. I was just telling her that I usually have to skim books because I don't have a lot of time, but I couldn't skim hers. I had to read the whole thing. It's a wonderful book. It's one of the most intimate and inspiring things I think I've ever read. Now, Lucinda has been led at last to be what she calls an authentic wildness guide. She helps people who have been damaged by life just as she was to achieve a deeper connection, self-discovery, and genuine personal transformation.
1: Welcome, Lucinda. I'm so happy you could be with us today. Oh, hello, Roberta. I am so happy to be here. What a wonderful introduction. Thank you for reading my book, and I'm so happy to meet your listeners. Well, we have a lot of fun on Secret Reality. We talk about all <laughs> kinds
0: of different things. This, this is something which, especially for women, I think, will be very engrossing. Many women um, who are, are my age, well, Lucinda is a little younger than I am, uh, have had difficulty Lives. I mean, we we came of age when suddenly, um, you know, you you had to have a whole career and you had to do all of the things, and I have to say, Lucinda, I really admire your choice of husbands. Um, I, I have a husband of almost fifty years that I just love, but your husband Reese has to be one of the most decent and patient guys I've ever who have ever lived. I mean, there he is, a big, successful guy with a tremendous career. And he's he's nurturing you. He's supporting you in doing all these things, which, frankly, 95% of men would have said, What? Get in the kitchen. He never said that, did he? What a wonderful, wonderful man. Um, as I've told you, I think you should write his story, too, because I think it's really an interesting one.
1: Oh, he's going to be so happy to hear that. And it <laughs> is true. As women, we need the masculine to hold us. And he's done a fine job of that and really... <laughs> put up with a lot. I remember growing up, I wasn't allowed to express emotions because it meant you were crazy. It was embarrassing to the family and actually disruptive. So I had to contain them and then jump ahead when I was married. If I would have an emotional day, I would feel really nervous like I was going to get in trouble or he'd abandon me. And he didn't. And then I would bounce, I, you know, and then things would be fine. And I, one day I was just like, why do you put up with me? And he's like, because you always bounce back.
0: Yeah yeah but but he loved you. You could tell he was he enjoy did. he was enjoying the person you were. I should just say parenthetically, this is an extremely successful man and and he chose a a woman who could be his partner in doing all the social things and doing all the things that that needed to be done by a very successful man. but on the other hand, when she suddenly became a bone woman. Um, he he took it in his stride. I find that amazing. I mean, kittens get born in the bed. All these things happen, and and he's it's okay with him. What a what a decent guy. I have to say. That's true. But, but but let's talk about we we can't talk about all the things that happened in your life. But can you please set the stage? I mean, what struck me was that you were having this. I mean. Her, her parents were divorced when she, when she was very young, and her father wasn't in her life. but her mother's family and her father, her your father's family too were very much there for her. She had a rich, i think very nice lovely childhood till you were what eleven and then suddenly your mother married, and that here that was all wrenched away from you. I had never thought about how hard that would be, but you t- write about it so vividly. Talk about that.
1: Yeah, I didn't think about it at the time either. It was very difficult to be 11, coming of age, with body changes, and to be ripped apart from my family and to be absorbed into a new uh, community culture clan. What happened was I was born at the end of 1959, and my mother raised me in the 60s, but she wasn't a hippie. And like many women at that time, there was an amazing book um, written called The Feminine Mystique, Yes. I think the author was Betty Friedland, yeah. Um, Friedan, yes, right, Betty Friedan. Betty Friedan, that's it. And um, my mom was in college, and I don't know the full story because it's not something people speak of, but I've pieced the pieces together. I think she got pregnant and had to get married. All I know is that she had to drop out of college and um, was not getting along with my father, and she was so strong she left him. I think she felt that he wasn't ready for children. He wasn't good to me now she had to figure out how to support me and herself. And of course, yeah. it was during a time when divorce was looked down upon, but she made her way through college and became a teacher. And in the meantime, I was just a nature child. We had modest means. She wasn't a hippie. So I didn't have that kind of culture to raise me that was free flowing and connected to nature, but I was connected to nature. Both of my... Grandparents, my maternal and paternal, had uh, you know one grandparent, one set of grandparents had a, a house on a cabin, and the other had a big three hundred acre um, farm. And That's fun. So I spent a lot of yeah, I spent a lot of time in nature with my cousins and aunts and uncles and grandparents. And I was the firstborn, and everybody adored me, and I'm sure they felt sorry for me too. Then, as my mom had worked her way up and became a teacher, somebody set her up with an eligible bachelor. He married my mom and adopted me, and at that point, my entire life shifted. Where I moved to a new house, a new school, with a new family, new set of rules and values. He was an affluent man, and I, 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 I saw my other relatives a few times. But a lot of things happened where it didn't, it didn't, it didn't continue as the way it was. And for an 11-year-old girl, I. It was traumatic for me. It's yes. Kind of like the settlers see. who come in and take over um uh indigenous clans, you know, there's a there's a divide and conquer.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, and you had three younger sisters, so he had three biological children with your mother, and therefore, um, you were you were sort of the the odd person out in a way. And he was wealthy. I mean, he bought you a, a new Porsche, for heaven's sake. We're talking, we're talking. He took and he he sent you to college, but it had to be the college he wanted you to go to. So there, I, and and apparently it was very important to him that you look and act and be a certain way. He kind of wanted to be proud of you, or else. I think that's a very difficult way for a child to have to live. And, and um, I, I mean, it's no wonder. Many people, you know, we look at people's lives from the outside. We think, oh, he or she is very lucky. We don't know what, what's going on in their lives and in their minds. And um, I'm sure many people thought you were very lucky that you had ended up adopted by him and having that life. But I can see how it just tore the tore the roots out from under you.
1: Yeah, that's what happened because um, I was actually really happy, like you had said earlier. Really, um, I had a great childhood because I was so connected to the animals and the plants and talking to them and cousins. And it wasn't that my dad was a bad man. He was an amazing man. He adopted me and loved me like his own. But it was just a new set of rules and vision and perspective for the world. And so he was very masculine, patriarchal, and wanted the best for me. And this was a completely... Odd culture that I wasn't used to. So it was all the tangible essence: be skinny, look good, wear cute outfits, yes, go, to yeah. Yeah, that's, go to school, get the degrees. What struck me was this: is they,
0: they were living in California, and I, I guess I'd never thought about the notion that if you are living in California and you're not, you know, tall, skinny, gorgeous, blonde, all of that, you can't compete. And that's that was kind of awful to read that. I was fortunate. I never (laughs) lived in a place like that, but wow.
1: Wow. Yeah. It was really hard because, um, I think a lot of us as children were very authentic. We're connected to our soul. We just get on the other side and we're childlike, you know, we're spontaneous and, and carefree and, doing what we want and of course for me that was just being in nature Uh, but then when I got cut off from that it was there was these exterior rules about how to think act and behave and then there's that underlying thread well if I don't then I won't fit in or I won't be loved so it's very complicated especially with all the hormones and my brain wasn't fully developed and so by most people's view of me back in that time when divorce was more rare and unacceptable and my poor mother who's you know making a living raising a single an only child I was rescued, right? I was rescued because now we lived in a beautiful home. That's right, yeah. I had the money and, and the affluence, and yet it just shows that there's two worlds. There's the inner world and the outer world. There's the tangible evidence of our human nature and and, and all things that are valued, and then there's that invisible essence that isn't so tangible, and that's what got I got cut off from.
0: Yeah, and... and- for some people they would probably land on their feet better than you did but you were a very sensitive person and it was difficult then i should just tell everyone she got an mba she was she was re- she got she was hired by ibm competing with a thousand people she was the one they hired and and it was a very very prosperous life but it was hollow in ways that i guess i never would have thought about for you, because you were so still cut off from 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 who you really felt you were, and you were—it's almost like you were acting rather than living that authentic life. Even though you had the most wonderful husband, I think—I mean, my husband has few rivals, but I to say your husband's pretty terrific.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, you know, my whole story just speaks to um, authenticity and figuring out who we are, and and this idea that we are spiritual beings. That are eternal and have yes. a temporary yes. human experience,
0: yes. which
1: back in this time, a lot of people where I live, nobody was talking about this. Nobody knew so that, sort of right. I was just stumbling on my own, but they're both important. You know, it is important to develop our human nature so that we can survive and fit into society as well as our inner essence, which is authentic. So what happened was I wanted to please my father, and these were the rules. So I went on diets to starve myself, and I went to school and got good grades. But all the while, I felt very detached and disassociated and uncomfortable, like I I never really did fit in. And it was really hard for me to shape myself into this cookie-cutter, copycat formula for success. Yes. And then then just feeling disassociated from my soul. And like you said, I didn't understand that either. It took me a long time to look back and see how traumatic that separation was at age 11. But um, when I was 27 and I was living the, you know, one version of the American dream, living in Santa Monica, driving a Porsche, suntanned and slender from starving on diets and, you know, had the MBA and working for IBM and... I I, I realized the disconnect. That's when I had a crisis moment, the disconnect between how I looked on the outside and how I felt on the inside. They didn't match. So when I tried to talk to other people about it, they said, I don't feel sorry for you. You have it all. That's the problem.
0: Exactly right. Nobody really sees, nobody understands how it feels to be you. And that's true of all of us, I think. I think we can all identify with that. But now your book introduces a concept which I've never heard of before. What's a bone woman?
1: (laughs) A bone woman collects bones. Oh, no. (laughs) Isn't that simple? Oh, my. Yes, It is that simple. Because why? Why does she collect bones? Because the the bones are symbolic of our soul. You know, if you think about our life as a human being, we're born to die. and And when we do... Our body will decompose, but for the most part, the bones remain. You think about the dinosaurs in museums. So the bones represent that internal essence, that part of us. It's eternal and never dies. So when you collect bones, you're collecting those authentic parts of yourself that have been tamed, shamed, or suppressed, and you want to piece yourself together. And like the the dinosaurs in the museum, you want to articulate yourself to fullness.
0: Okay. Well, that makes sense because you do you do clearly in the book have a fascination with bones which is something that I've never been fascinated with so part of what was fascinating for me though about your book was to be able to so because you're so Totally psychologically naked to, to the reader. Many people try to present themselves in their best light. You let people see just how you felt and how it was. And that is very touching, I have to say. Um, I, it makes it possible for the reader to really identify with you. But there you are, and you're out there picking up bones, and you're giving roadkill decent burials and things like that, which was, a, I mean, I'd never seen anyone think that way. But it was part of reconnecting with who you had been as a child.
1: Yes, and it speaks to the metaphor of everybody going inward to know who they are on the inside, despite what other people think. And it's not about making money or being famous. It's about connecting and having a relationship with who you are on the inside. And when we grow up in our family and the culture and the media, we're taught that certain things about us are shameful, and it's different for every person. Maybe you were an artist and you painted as a child, and your family says, That's ugly, you can never do that. That's ugly, you can't make money, and so you can suppress that. That could be one um, aspect that is suppressed or tamed or shamed. Or maybe you have funny looking teeth and the kids teased you, and so you just don't talk much because you're self conscious about your teeth. Um, you know, there's all sorts of things that people tease us about or yell at us about or get mad at us about or threaten us with that we suppress. So there is a story. Have you ever heard of the book, Women Who Run with Wolves? I had heard of it. I've never, I've not read it. It's, it's, um, it's a, a Jungian archetype book about women and reclaiming what's been suppressed in this modern era. Um, and so there is a story of a woman called Laloba, and she actually collects bones, every bone of a wolf until she gets every single bone, and there's over 300, and she can metic- meticulously glue it all back together. And then when she sings over the bones, the wolf morphs and runs out into oh. the, to the wilderness. So that's symbolic of a woman putting herself back together. So every bone that I found was a piece of myself. Every bone in nature that I came across had a symbol because our soul speaks the language of symbols. That's the thing. We don't need to intellectually understand it. So it was my personal, unique, original way. And there's other people out there like me. I didn't know it at the time of talking to my soul by collecting these bones. And what happened was I was so curious about them. It was an honor to be that up-close personal that was part of a wild animal. I wanted to know whose bone was it, what kind of animal, how did it die. And that that curiosity kept me in the present moment. And the more I learned about the bones, which each had a symbolic vibration, it would resonate through me and help me Pull up memories of who I was. It's a complicated process, but it's also very simple. Just follow what you love to do no matter what, and it's amazing what unfolds. So it pulls things
0: up from your childhood that you may have buried again under later uh, memories, but that are part of who you truly are. And I know exactly what you mean about people inadvertently shaming a child or, or making a child feel, think that he can't do this or that thing. And you can, you can sadly shape a child negatively for his or her entire life by doing that. So I hope everybody is telling children that they're the most beautiful, wonderful most talented person who ever lived, because each of them is in his or her own way. And the more we encourage them, the more they will find who they truly are, which is what Lucinda did as a child. She was raised very well until she was 11 by people who wanted her to be who she could be authentically. And it took her then all those decades to come to, to come back to putting back together who she had been. and And... She, she then she married this wonderful man. Uh, practically in love. I mean, what a nice guy, um, who who became very successful. Actually, uh, financially successful. She didn't need to work. She was rearing children, and she was meanwhile doing these explorations.
1: What did he think about these explorations you were doing? Well, it was very interesting at first because he is so lovable and adoring, and. Uh, we had things that we did together that, of course, he wanted me to have my hobbies and do what I wanted on the side. And he just sort of laughed. You know, just right. like when I had a bad day or I was, like, emotional or sad, which is normal stuff, you know, he, he, it didn't fluster him, which was extraordinary. It just allowed me to be me. And so I started collecting bones, and sometimes he knew and sometimes he didn't. And he, he thought it was kind of cute. He actually even bragged about it a little bit. I think he was attracted to some the difference you know that it wasn 't so ordinary
0: yeah, but here he has this beautiful woman with this wonderful background who is the perfect sort of um, arm candy trophy wife, and she starts doing all these insane things and he's only, he 's only he goes with it he can he can enjoy her being who she is, which I think many men would be too insecure to do, but he certainly can. And, and he became very successful, then he had all kinds of financial problems, but then he became even more successful, and then he ended up going to prison. I mean, we're talking about a very complicated life
1: here. Very complicated and very public, which speaks to this whole idea of who are we on the inside, because so many of us put up this front, this persona, this facade, with our house and our home and our money and our beauty yeah, and right. our image. Beautiful, but what's everything's really beautiful. going? Everything's beautiful and perfect, but what's really going on on the inside? So by having our perfect, beautiful image facade crumble, what's left? Only the inside. So it gave us more strength to go inward and be who we were and not let it take us down because life is not easy and that's the lesson. What is the lesson here? What did we learn about ourselves? Not, oh, poor us, what happened to us?
0: No, you you, you clearly, um, as a couple, they triumph over all of this, and your children seem to have been not harmed by it either. They're, they seem to have grown up well too. I, I, it just it is a story of triumph ultimately, but it was still going through. It was a little bit hard for this reader who was rooting for you so hard. Oh, but thank but you. but you but you you triumphed. Now, all right, let's. Let's talk about what you say. When, when, What do you mean by realizing authentic wildness in a civilized world? Why that word?
1: Well, realizing is twofold to me. It's like you realize that you have an epiphany and realizing it meaning it happens.
0: Okay, it's achieving
1: it. Yes. Yeah, achieving it in motion. And that subtitle speaks to balance. I'm all about balance. I feel like there is no right or wrong or good or bad. There's only out of balance because we are st- Spiritual beings having a human experience it's a temporary right. experience and we come here with lessons to learn and we come here with a gift to share to make the world a better place so some people maybe are overly emphasizing their human nature and so they're tired and exhausted because it takes a lot of energy and work and over time it builds up and they're not connected to their inner essence their soul the eternal self which is a higher vibration and it's an enlivening so they're exhausted but then the truth yes. could be true where somebody, I know people who are just so loving and high vibe friendly, but they're not grounded in the earth plane and they struggle with making a living. What I learned by being my own experiment over life. Yes. Is
0: Aren't we all that, that? Yes.
1: <laughs> yes. Exactly. Is that, you know, this modern era, we are overemphasizing our human nature and the tangible. And that was my original crisis at age 27. When I knew there was more to me than meets the eye. And I wanted to get to the bottom of that. So I, at first, I rejected the human um, world and money and shallow people, and then I yes. realized, you know what? Like you said, everything is a hobby. you think it's a hobby, but it's all leading up to something. It's, it was it's all part life. of me. Yes. It was just part of me understanding what it means to be a human and how to fit in with people and learning right. how to take care of myself so that I could fo- I could master survival and then focus on thrival. Like, it's all good. It's just boils down to balance. Master
0: survival and then focus on thrival. That is hysterical. I love that. That's mm-hmm. great. It's, it's mm-hmm. true. Now, you, you help people cope with stress and anxiety. Well, I can see why. You would certainly have a lot of experience with it, but... Do you have tips for people? I mean, if someone is is listening and feels, oh, she had money, she doesn't have my life, I've got this, I've got that problem, there's no way. How do people who feel overwhelmed that way, do you have any suggestions on how they can begin to get on top of their lives as you manage to get on top of yours?
1: Well, nature is a great um, avenue for connection and healing. So we all have an inner nature that mirrors the outer nature. And so if we can go out and spend time in nature where all of our senses are open, wander and wonder, or sit, and we start to smell and see and taste and hear, it's amazing. We open all these channels, which lets this high vibration energy I'm talking about come in, the soul, the spirit, the spirit that runs through all things. And then nature starts to inform us because it's symbolic, and there's a rhythm, and it moves. And when the invisible vibrations from nature come through our sensory channels, It's like a tuning fork, a vibration, and things start to happen. And then there's signs and symbols that we can interpret. So that's one thing that you can start. And then I write down things in a journal and see what happens. And then nature starts to communicate with us. Um, Anything you can do, connect with your body, free form, like dancing or movement. Um, There's a lot of free things like this on the Internet. If you if you research you know look into somatic movement free form dance uh, there's books I have a lot of blogs on my website to give people clues it's about following the clues getting to know yourself remember who you were as a child think back on that reflect what did I do as a child that I loved that I haven't done in a long time yes. revive that yes
0: yeah I could certainly see that's true I could see it would be true of nature because nature is not civilization it doesn't judge you it doesn't demand anything of you it gives you as you say all these rich smells sounds sights um that are that are harmonious with wildness with with with, you, with whatever is within you that is not totally civilized i think that that is exactly a Many people can 't get to wildness though they live in the middle of a city, but there may be a park nearby you don 't need a whole lot of wilderness to get a little space around yourself. Just go when there are a lot of not a lot of other people there and commune with the animals, commune with the birds um, I, I just every morning i i Try to commune with the birds, especially. We have a lot of birds in our backyard for some reason, and I just I love seeing them living their lives, um, and the squirrels too, totally oblivious to
1: us. I mean, that- yes, and I work. I do work with a lot of animal totems too because the inner and outer nature, you know, we have an inner nature and a lot of it, times it resonates with one animal. And the more we study and connect with that animal. You could do that with watch. I, I used to, I went through a phase where I just watched animal documentaries and I learned so much about myself. And you're right. If you're, if you're in the city or you don't have access to a lot of nature, or some people are afraid of nature to go out by themselves you can sit at your window and see what you, what comes up, whether it's the sun or the stars or the moon or a bird, and um, you're right about the parks, but it could even be a flower. You could buy flowers and bring flowers into your home and have the whole thing oh, going with flowers true. and color. That's true.
0: That's true. That's another wonderful point. Yeah, someone just gave us um, a bunch of these, I guess they're Asiatic lilies or something. They're pink, they smell wonderful, and they come all in bud. And we've just been watching them open and smelling them for the past two weeks. I told my husband, I think we're going to start buying a bouquet at least once a month just to give ourselves this fun of of being part of the lives of these flowers for, for this little time and having them part of our lives. So... I, I I can see that it makes sense. In your case, it was very specifically you were connecting with your childhood. We all have different childhoods. And you may think there's not much in your childhood you want to connect with between you and me. There, may you may say, she doesn't know. I didn't. I had a terrible childhood. There was something in your childhood if you think about it that was important and precious to you and that you were con- that you connected with maybe it was a person a grandmother maybe it was a place we went to the beach whatever it is that you can pull up from your childhood that resonates still in your mind a little bit give yourself the gift of that again If it's your grandmother and the grandmother's not here, you know, you might go to a nursing home and and talk to old ladies. Whatever, try things. Try getting outside of your routine because that by itself helps to rejuvenate you. It's an amazing thing how much
1: just varying your routine can help you to grow. That is so true because... Just like the subtitle of my book, Realizing Authentic Wildness in a Civilized World, we are over-emphasizing our human nature as a culture, and what happens is we become perfect and we have a vision and we're looking ahead and we think we need this big plan with action items, but actually, if we go inward, the soul is wild, and we think, oh, wild means get drunk and party and jump off, <laughs> jump off the of roof well, into a swimming pool. Right. No, The wildness is inside of this. And what that means is our soul is wild. It's spontaneous and curious and it wants to move like the child. And so the the goal is to go inward and to get to know that inner child. And then it is a higher vibration energy and it does move and things start to happen and you just follow the steps little by little. But you are absolutely right. The soul hates routine. So the more routine we have in our life, the more the soul gets depressed and shuts down because it wants to move. So, Absolutely change your routine. It could be, I tell some people who have the personality for it, just wear one purple shoe and one red shoe. <laughs> or I have another client who always wants to wear a dress, but she feels self-conscious. She always wears pants and she has one dress in her closet. And I'm like, okay, you're wearing that dress tomorrow. I just want you to wear it all day. Go to the market. You know, it's different for everybody, but that one change opens things up and yes. then yes. step by step. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It it's, um,
0: I, I think it, it, you're right. It, it, it's something you need to feel that you're in control of, too, because if you feel your life is out of control and you don't have any you know, options or whatever, you want to feel in control. So this should be doing things that help you feel more in control of your time. Um, I'm just not going to go to lunch today. I'm going to take a walk or of of, of your of your space. Um, I'm going to, you know, sit over here today and not instead of sitting over there or I'm going to take a walk over here and not a walk over there, whatever it is. You need to begin to take control of your own life in powerful ways. Each of us has spirit guides. Each of us is perfectly, infinitely loved. And one of the things that Lucinda did really was to reclaim that perfect, infinite love for her, which she didn't even have. Um, her husband had it before she had it, but that's that to me is what's beautiful about this book, watching her do that, come to understand who she was, and be fearless about claiming who she was, and be happy being who she was. That's available to all of us. We just have to decide that we're going to do that and give ourselves that gift.
1: Yeah, it's going inward and making yourself a friend and a priority and getting to know who you are on the inside. And it does speak to another um, clue. A lot of times... Um, Our gifts are in our wounds. So one of my original wounds was not being seen for who I was on the inside. That pained me greatly. I actually had a suicidal depression when I was
0: working at IBM.
1: And it accomplished everything and realized, well, I'm no more lovable than I was before, and I'm not happy. So, And since I couldn't talk to anyone about it, I felt something was wrong, I spiraled into a suicidal depression. But what I later realized is that's my gift. So I've turned that gift, the original gift of not being seen for who I was on the inside and turned it around and now that's what I help people do. I help them see who they are on the inside. So some people are wounded and shamed in a different way. Go where the wound is, get to know it and that's your gift because you know it better than anyone else and you can help other people move through it because
0: that's what you've done. Yeah, it's ultimately very empowering when you conquer these things, which um, th- this naive feeling that once once I have a big shot MBA at IBM, I'll suddenly everything will magically feel good, but you're still the same person on the inside. And discovering that, as you say, is kind of a wound. But when you, when you tramp over it, then nothing, you get stronger and stronger, and nothing can harm you. I mean, y- you and I both... Love being older women we i wouldn't i wouldn 't be younger by a day. How does this stage of life really feel to you? What would you say to younger people who are saying i don 't want to be old?
1: It feels so good, and i yeah. I always knew I always knew from a young age I wanted to be an elder of significance, and a lot of people <laughs> that I know yeah, a lot of people that I know fear aging and dying, and they don 't want to yes. talk about it, and so they are wanting plastic surgery. I don't have there's nothing wrong with plastic surgery, but they're doing it for the wrong reasons, because they want to avoid getting old, not because it makes them feel better. And so um I know that the body declines and wrinkles on purpose because we're intended to shine from the inside out and focus on our soul. So if we have lived a life where we're present and aware and you know, have done extraordinary things like had a career and a family and friends and traveled, whatever it is, when we get to this last stage of life, we have gathered so much wisdom that, that when we share it with people, it will help the world be a better place. So these young people in their 20s need the elders to just hold space yes. for their stories. They're out there individuating and they need to know that what they're going through is normal. The decades of the 20s are very difficult. On the one hand, we have a lot of parents who want their children to be perfect, making a lot of money. It's best oh, college yes. by the age of 22. Yes. And then other children who are abandoned by their parents, and so the 20s are very lonely and isolating. And I have a lot of millennial. Uh, people that love to come and talk to me. And I just hold the container for their story and close that loop between the youth and the elders. So they value me as an elder. I'm giving them something to aspire to. And I value their energy and being connected to what's happening you know, with younger people. So I love being older because I'm sharing my wisdom. I'm helping the world be a better place. I'm connected to my internal self, which is a high vibration energy. It's enlivening. It's different than when I was working really hard doing action items and what I thought I should do, which is exhausting because it's, it's outside of myself. But when I'm inspired on the inside and sharing what I know authentically, I have more energy and more joy and I feel younger. Yes. And, and I, you know, I just know so many people feel that they're not valued or they're living alone in isolation. And, um, I just think it's twofold. The elders connect with who you are on the inside and express your wisdom, and the young people look up to the elders because that gives you something to aspire to, and then it creates a circle of connection.
0: Yeah. No. I. I we we it historically, I mean, going back thousands of years, we lived in three, um, three, even four-generation family units that was normal, That and the elders were revered, and now I understand why that was so important. To be separated from your history, your family's history, um, to be separated from your supports is a, is a frightening thing, and too many people now are there with divorce, with all of the problems we have in the world. Um, many people feel that our world is now sort of falling apart, that we don't we're in spiritual crisis. You, you feel that way as well, I think, right? Yes,
1: I do feel like we're suffering from a spiritual crisis because we are very intelligent and modern and accomplished you know, in the civilized world here, like in the United States. But our planet is suffering because nature is spiritual and this idea of we are one means that all of our souls, our eternal essence, are connected to each other You know, through the spirit that runs through all things, that's what it means to be one, but yet we're humans on the plane of duality, and we're also individuals, so it's complicated. It's a paradox. We're meant to do it all and balance it, Um, but we're suffering from a spiritual crisis because we think our mind is going to, you know, invent something to fix the problem, and we're just going to continue to overachieve and manifest. And, and, and it's, what we really need to do is go inward and connect with our soul and our authenticity. And when we do that, we have more compassion and understanding for nature and how we rely on her and her beauty and how it's healing. And it's a higher vibration energy and how to live in balance. So things move faster with spirit because it's a higher vibration. When we connect to our soul, we connect to the spirit that runs through all things, we get epiphanies and awarenesses and ideas, and yes. it just happens faster. It's a higher energy versus our human nature. It's a denser vibration, it's form, it's tangible, it's what we can see. Yes. So we can invent things, it's just slower. And at this point, we need to move faster because we have overemphasized our human nature.
0: Yes, I think you're right about that. So you're an inner wildness guide. So we're not talking wilderness, everyone. We're talking wildness. So you help people reconnect with this wildness that's inside them and reconnect, reground in Mother Earth and reground in in their spiritual nature. Right? That's what you do.
1: Yes, I do. Because I I, I resonate with owl. That's my totem. And so I see in the dark. When I talk to people, I just get clues to who they are. It just pops into my mind. And I can help them unfold that and get in touch with it and then hold a sacred container for their work. Um, And we do it a lot by talking. They feel very safe. I'm not going to judge them. I'm not going to um, gossip or betray the, the, the cauldron. And then we go out into nature and we we, we work with nature. I work on the phone or in person, and it is. It's all about going inward, finding out where your culture conditioning and blocks are, discovering what you've suppressed, and just opening up and becoming yourself. And I'm your witness, your guide, along with the animals and nature.
0: I also think you'd be a wonderful friend to have. So apparently that's part of the deal. You get to be your friend. Go to everyone. Go to www.authenticwildness.com. Those two words together, no parentheses, uh, 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 punctuation rather. Authenticwildness.com. And you can see a picture of this extraordinary woman surrounded by animal pelts and all kinds of things. It's amazing. A snake, for heaven's sake. I'm assuming a stuffed snake, though, not a real one.
1: Yes, and let me just say, all those animals were killed by cars or natural causes, and they just come to me, and I bring them back to life in my my barn by making art out of them, and then people come to my barn, and it's just a palpable, magical energy, because it's a connection wow. to the, the other wow. realm. Wow, wow.
0: Yeah, no, it's a fascinating picture. I couldn't get over how interesting it was, and it, this, it really is a lovely thing that you do. I, I, I mean... In a sense, you and I are in similar fields. I'm trying to help people to grow spiritually, and you are too. But many people, you know, they they say you can't get through life undamaged. Many people do go through much of their lives with damage from childhood, from early adulthood, and they aren't even aware that they're damaged. And so what you're doing seems to be a way to reconnect with who you really are and heal that damage without having to, you know, go spend a lot of money on a a shrink and spend years just talking Um, because there's... it. We all have the healing inside us. It just needs to be revitalized. We are naturally healthy. We're naturally whole, but um, a lot of
1: us don't feel that way now.
0: So you, you must be getting a lot of people who want to do what
1: you can do for them. Yes, I do work with a lot of people, and I love it. It's my greatest joy because now I've already raised the family and done all yes. the things society wanted me to do, and it's just it's, its just about deep connections between people, nature, and our inner and outer nature. I love it I, so much. I can imagine that you do. I love what
0: I do, too. We're so, so blessed, you and I. So I know. How, how would people reach you if they wanted to get in touch with you?
1: Well, if you go to my website, um, there's a form that you can send, and uh, and and I'll get back to you. And um, and you can peruse the the website for information, not my how to purchase my book, or just read the blogs. Um, but I would love to talk to you, so send me an email through my website, authenticwildness.com. And her book is called Confessions of a Bone
0: Woman, Realizing Authentic Wildness in a Civilized World. I found it an extremely enjoyable book. It's a page turner. I mean, some of it is painful, but this is a real woman who's had these real experiences and she has had an outwardly very privileged life. But life has damaged her as it damaged all of us. And she found ways to just reconnect with who she really is and use, I mean, the, to watch you grow spiritually in this during the course of this book was really quite a wonderful thing. I really enjoyed it. I finished the whole thing, and uh, which meant I didn't get much sleep last night. But I suddenly realized that I better get it finished. But uh, but it's a wonderful book. I really recommend it.
1: Oh, thank you so much. You are just so lovely, Roberta. Thank you, thank you, <laughs> thank you. And may I also say that I did record the book. I narrated an audio version of the book as well for which people is- who prefer audio.
0: Which is great. Yeah, you have a very good voice for doing that. Some of us don't, but you certainly do. Well, this has been wonderful. Um, I, I, we're coming to the end of our time. Do you have any last thought or two you want to share with people?
1: Well, I I just want to say that we all have something unique inside of us that wants to be expressed. And I encourage everybody out there to do it. We are all so valuable and needed
0: yeah, someone said um, the great tragedy of the world is that too many of us die with our music still inside us,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and that's true because everybody everybody has notes they can play that nobody else really can, um, and so if you can help people to discover what those notes are and really really sing them well, then that's that's a great gift to give to the world.
1: So well, thank this... you for singing your music, Roberta. Thank you. <laughs> Bless you, dear.
0: Well, this has been fun. Um, our, our guest uh, is Lucinda Back and again, AuthenticWildness.com. I think you should go there if only to see all these amazing pelts. And they're all roadkill, all these pelts and things you have?
1: Yep. yep, roadkill or natural causes. Animals actually, I have a big piece of property that's up to open space. Animals come to die here. They know it's a safe place, and then I work with them. It's called animal medicine in a lot of the indigenous cultures.
0: So, and you really, I, a lot of what you do does remind me of um, the Native American spirituality, yeah. which according to people we used to think were dead, the Native Americans, primarily the Plains Indians, had some of the most advanced spirituality uh, ever ever on earth, which I think is something which should bring us up short when we just stepped on it um, with things that I, we, we, that's a whole other conversation, but it's wonderful that you're resurrecting that as well. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm sorry that
1: the, we do have to close, and I'm really sorry
0: about that. Please, everyone. Well, it's been
1: everyone. wonderful. It's been so wonderful <laughs> connecting with you and your listeners. Thank you, everybody. We'll have to do this again, I think. Please, Please
0: yes. <laughs> Please, yes. everyone, never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began. You never will end. And when you really get what that means, it's going to change everything in your life for the better. Next week, we're going to be talking with Kathleen O'Keefe Cavanaugh, who is Kennebos, rather. Um, She's an expert on interpreting dreams and especially at helping us understand health-related and precognitive dreams. Her book is called Dreams That Can Save Your Life, Early Warning Signs of Cancer and Other Diseases. It was written with a physician, Larry Burke, who conducted studies of people, including Kathleen. She calls herself Cat as well. Um, That's her nickname. But Kat had cancer, and she knew she had it because she had dreamed about it. Nobody would believe her, and she finally got this doctor to believe her. Sure enough, she did. Pathologists confirmed that this woman without symptoms, that all doctors thought she she was fine, she had cancer. And it turns out this is a whole thing, especially with breast cancer in larger-breasted women. So... This book, which um, I have read also, and it's it's fascinating, all these people had these life crises because they couldn't get doctors to, to believe them even enough to do a biopsy. So I think that you'll enjoy Kat. She's a lot of fun anyway. But, you know, next week, please join us. She may be able to help you save your own life or the life of someone you know. This week, our guest has been Lucinda Bakken-White. She's the author of Confessions of a Bone Woman, Realizing Your Authentic Wildness in a Civilized World. Her book is dedicated to the entire animal kingdom. And actually, a lot of them, as I say, are right around her in in that wonderful office she has. She was a successful professional woman with an MBA. She left the business community. She undertook a voyage while she was rearing her children with her wonderful husband. She undertook a voyage of astonishing personal growth and empowerment. Now she's an authentic wildness guide who teaches deep connection, self-discovery, and personal transformation, which is the kind of thing I think all of us are seeking. She's helped many people who are suffering from all kinds of problems, anxieties, and ills, and what she calls unexpected curveballs, people who simply want to live a deeper, more complete, and more meaningful life. Authenticwildness.com is her website, and her story, as she tells it in her book, frankly, is an unforgettable one. As I say, I loved the book. Reading it left me wishing, frankly, that Lucinda and I lived a whole lot closer, and once in a while, maybe, then she and I could do lunch. As you know, my nonfiction books are Liberating Jesus, my Thomas, The Fun of Dying, The Fun of Staying in Touch, The Fun of Growing Forever, The Fun of Living Together, and soon The Fun of Loving Jesus, Embracing the Christianity that Jesus taught. For young children, there's also The Fun of Meeting Jesus, which is a beautifully illustrated early reader book. You can find these books in bookstores on Amazon.com, and the adult books are also available as audiobooks. If you ever want to talk about any of my books or if you want to talk about anything at all, you can contact me through the contact block on robertagrimes.com. I do answer every email. It can take me a little while. If you don't get an answer, it means you gave me the wrong email address. So please just try again. Past episodes of Seek Reality are available on webtalkradio.net, on realrevolutionradio.com, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and on a number of other stations, including those in the wonderful Dream Vision 7 radio family. I love those people. And many people tell me now that they just listen through the Seek Reality app that you can find for free in the iTunes app store. And, of course, if you ever wonder where Seek Reality can be heard right now, just go to RobertaGrimes.com and click on the radio tab. I don't ever expect to stop doing this. You'll find me somewhere if you, if you come and look for it. If you enjoy these weekly conversations, you might also want to... You know, check out my blog at robertagrimes.com. I use those posts to work through some of the issues we talk about here on Seek Reality. Before before they ever make it to radio, we're already thinking about them. And if you sign up at robertagrimes.com, you'll get a new post every Sunday. I think, frankly, one of the best things about my blog is some of the commenters. we get. We have wonderful people who are seekers themselves and who are finding. If you sign up, you will find a new post coming to you every Sunday. My role in your life, as you know, is just to help you get to the truth in a few years' time rather than in the half century. It's taken me to figure everything out. You can be where I am spiritually, um, intellectually, and understanding within two or three years. I want to help you do it because it's going to change everything about the next stage of your life, which we used to call death. But of course, this is just the prelude to a much richer and more abundant life. The more you do now to help yourself grow spiritually, the better your eternal life will be. And that's my job, is to help you do that. That's my bliss. So we'll see you again next week. But meanwhile, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy, please make the most of this coming week in our one reality, knowing that you, you in particular, are a powerful eternal being, and you, most of all, are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com.